Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Meriwether and Tharp, your source for Georgia divorce. Find them online at theatlantadivorceteam.com. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. In a normal day, normal year, you would say the day the NFL draft begins. Obviously, you should start the show with that and probably speak about it for the entirety of the show. Certainly, there is an argument to be made for that. We'll obviously get into the draft before we're done today, but we have a topic that we have to get into off the top because I think it's just, ju- just too juicy not to get into. A little bit of a... <laughs> I want to kind of craft a debate here. I'm gonna, I'm kind of gonna, kind of, kind of see if I can string this together. A debate with Georgia coach Kirby Smart on one side, Alabama coach Nick Saban on the other. These two have obviously squared off before. Former, it's almost like mega powers explode from WrestleMania Five. Friends turned enemies. You know they used to work with each other. Now they work against each other. And so we're gonna kind of pit them against each other in a debate here coming up in a just a moment. Of course, the big news around college football the last couple of days, and it's really amazing how much people have been talking about this. We did a lot of our RS Andrews cooldown on this yesterday on both podcast and video. People reacting to the to the changes that could be coming to the college football playoff. Let me kind of give you the facts and the news on this, then we'll kind of get into some of the opinions stuff Stuart Mandel Andy Staples writing for the athletic but the possibility of more than just playoff expansion which the selection committee hinted at last Friday but possibly massive playoff expansion coming here there as well can I show you the tweet here from Stuart Mandel who talked about this who said where do things stand on CFP expansion he asks there's surprising momentum for something bigger than eight teams and there's concern about boredom from the same teams each and every year making that uh, college football playoff and the kind of lost interest that comes from the bowl games because of that and Mandel and Andy Staples went on to write that story there for the athletic about not just playoff expansion which we've talked about before which could possibly be six teams or maybe eight teams what Stuart Mandel says, and you know Bill Hancock's in the story, the executive director of the College Football Playoff and everything else, is that we're actually looking at massive, like double-digit teams in the playoff, maybe as many as 10, 12, 16, somewhere along those lines. That we're kind of we're kind of looking at massive playoff expansion, and it's really interesting to hear two of the most high-profile coaches in all of college football talk about this right now because they are talking about it on very different sides of all of this and as you might imagine there's a little bit of self-preservation self-interest when it comes to which side each guy is kind of on in relationship to this let me start with Kirby Smart who was on the Paul Feinbaum show yesterday and in talking about being asked about hey have you heard about this idea of playoff expansion adding more teams to college football playoff given the fact that Kirby has seen his team be number five in the country a couple times on the outside looking in of a chance to be in a college football playoff, you are probably not surprised to hear that Smart is pushing for playoff expansion, thinking that is a good idea. This is Kirby from Feinbaum. I think if you pulled any coach, be foolish to say that, that you didn't want expansion. You know, the current system certainly uh, working. It's been successful. Uh, but to give more teams an opportunity, I think, is a good thing. And I think you look at years past, how many times four beats one or three beats two, uh, you could say the same thing could happen all the way to six, eight, or ten teams. 
So you hear Kirby Smart right there say, I don't know of any coach. I don't know of any coach that would be against the idea of playoff expansion. You're giving more teams a chance to compete for a title. You're giving more chance to see surprising outcomes take place. We've seen them before, he says, when it comes to a college football playoff, and you're oper- you know, offering that opportunity to happen. He says, who in the world could possibly be against an expansion of the college football playoff. Well, maybe he knew this, maybe he didn't, but at least one coach seemingly is not in favor of playoff expansion. As I said before, it is Smart's old boss, Alabama coach Nick Saban. Now, once again, it's easy to understand why Alabama has had a stranglehold on the current format. They have been in the playoff more times than not. They have won national championships in multiple instances during the playoff era. They even figured out a way because of their big brand and benefit of the doubt or whatever else you want to say, to make the playoff in 2017, even when they weren't SEC champions. So if anybody would be in favor of the current format because of how much it's working for him already, then obviously Alabama coach Nick Saban would be that guy. In fact, he argued for "Ah, this playoff expansion. I don't quite think this is such a good idea. This is Nick Saban. The more playoffs we have, the less significant bowl games are going to be. So it's really not for me, and I don't think I'm even capable of judging how significant the positive self-gratification so many players get, so many programs get, so many coaches get for being able to go to a bowl game. And now everything has shifted to the four teams in the playoffs, and the bowls seem to be pretty insignificant. So I think if we expand the playoffs, you're going to see a continuation of that trend Uh, where the bowl games become less and less significant. And maybe these two things can't coexist. Uh, But if they're going to coexist, uh, maybe we should try to, you know, leave them pretty much the same. So listen, Nick Saban wants to leave it all the same. Leave it all the way that it that it is, because as he just told you right there, Saban is for positive self-gratification. He likes people to feel good about themselves. He wants the players that go to the Blue Bonnet Bowl or whatever other you know kind of lower-tier bowl that's been devalued because of the college football playoff, he doesn't want those players to feel devalued. And making the playoff bigger, in his mind, only increases the likelihood that somebody somewhere might not quite feel so good about themselves there at some point in time. Because when you think of Nick Saban, the rants during press conferences, the berating of players, and the just sort of you know general disregard he at times has for decorum. The one thing that comes to mind is uh, this is a guy who puts self gratification and feeling good about yourself, self esteem. This is a guy who puts that at the very top of the list there. I mean, I obviously say that sarcastically, but it is interesting to hear Saban as a way of arguing for what benefits his program, keeping the playoff at four, as a way of arguing for that. He kind of goes to the listen. Let's let people feel good about themselves with an expanded bowl system and a playoff that's not encroaching upon that. And then he even went so far as to say that, listen, there's potentially a player safety issue here if you make these playoffs any bigger than they are. This, once again, Saban from the Feinbaum Show. I know there's a lot of interest in the playoff, but the other thing that I would be concerned about is, you know, how many games should we really play? I mean, the SEC championship game, to me, if you look at all the years we played in, most of those games were playoff games. We were playing somebody in the top five and had an impact on who got into playoffs, who got the championship game. So you're going to eliminate that so you can have more playoff games or we're going to play less games in a regular season so we can have more playoff games. I think there's only so many games in these guys. They're, they're student athletes. They're not just football players. So... Uh, I think some of those things have to be taken into consideration as well. So Nick Saban, with a straight face in the Paul Feinbaum show, says, listen, these guys can't play in the college football playoff any more than they already do because they got to go to class. I mean, I mean, 
I mean, how in the world does he do that with a straight face? Listen, this guy's got an exam. They got study hall. They can't be playing a national quarterfinal game. Four is all we need in the playoff. These guys, these guys got independent study courses and whatever else they got to do. They're student athletes. These aren't just these aren't just football players. Uh, he says there, uh, and, and you know, for for Nick Saban to even, I mean, the the audacity, the absolute gall of Nick Saban to say, "Listen, we're in the SEC championship game, and that's kind of like a playoff game as it is." Except for the year you made the playoff when you weren't in the SEC championship game. I mean, this is the kind of the funny part about this is is that I mean, when it comes to a coach arguing what is in his own best interest there is really no I mean there's really no end to the to the ways in which coaches will try to spin this in their direction arguing about the SEC championship game when as I said before that has not always been Alabama's path to the title game and by the way that was also true back in the BCS era if you want to go back to 2011 there as well but when it comes to the idea that it's just too many games uh, for the college football playoff, if you expand it out into a quarterfinal or even expand it out beyond all of that, Kirby Smart, when he made his own appearance on the Paul Feinbaum show yesterday, not specifically retorting to Saban, but a response nonetheless. We told you we're going to kind of construct a debate here between these two. This is Kirby's response to the idea of, well, it's just too many games if you make the playoff bigger. Here's Kirby. Well, I would liken it to if they want to take something away from that, then you know maybe we don't play as many uh, uh, games in the regular season. Maybe it gets shrunk down there, or you know we, we all have scrimmages in fall camp. Um, I certainly think that the, the possibility is there for that um, expansion. I think the players uh, would enjoy that. There would be more positive experiences coming out because more people feel like they had the opportunity to capitalize on uh, a big season. So Smart's argument is obviously just as self-serving as Saban's is, but we kind of like Smart's argument better on all of this. So, uh, you know, we'll give him a little bit of a free pass there, but clearly he's arguing in his own best interest there as well. But kind of the final point on those is this, is that, listen, people have a tendency to say whatever they want about Kirby Smart, Bama fans do, non-Georgia fans do all across the board, in some cases even media does. But the one thing you can't say about Smart is, Looking at the scenario in which that has existed, his team kept out of the playoff in 2018 when certainly in an expanded playoff, they probably clearly could would have been in there. Maybe you could say the same thing about 2019, maybe uh, there as well. Instead of just kind of whining about that, instead of just kind of saying, ah, oh, the system is, 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 is out to get us and, you know, we're you know, kind of held back by the system or all the things that Smart could have said, the honest truth is that's not what Kirby did. And this is the thing that even a non-Georgia fan ought to give him a little bit of credit for, that when he looked at this system that was kind of broken and kind of wasn't really um, giving him what he needed, he said – how can we manipulate this system to our advantage? In other words, if the committee thinks that we're not one of the four best teams based on what we've done in a 10-2 and two season when we lost the SEC championship game close and lost the game at LSU, if we're not proving enough to show that we're one of the best teams on the field in the country, then what's the kind of schedule we can play in the future that, that gives us a chance to prove that? And so he goes out and says, all right, we'll add the Oklahomas, we'll add the Texases, we'll add the Clemson's, we'll add the Florida State's, we'll add the very best programs in the country. We'll play multiple Power Five non-conference opponents each and every year. And in future years, that's essentially what George is doing. Kind of starting this year with Clemson and then really going on deeply into the distant future when you're playing multiples of these games in each and every year. Kirby essentially saying, hey, we're going to play such a tough schedule that we're going to dare the committee to keep us out if we have a pretty record when that's all said and done. And to Smart's credit, he also talked about that more on the Fine Bomb show yesterday. Kirby again. 
for us uh, as a university, uh, you know, we've had, I guess, four consecutive years. You finish in the top uh, ten, maybe the top seven or eight teams in the country. I mean, you're on the outside looking in a couple times because of maybe one game. You certainly uh, would like to see that opportunity to grow, uh, get more teams involved in that. Uh, it's certainly a very tough competition to get in those four right now, and uh, so much of it becomes who you played. And that's one of the really aggressive things we've done at Georgia is scheduling out uh, it's been my thought all along that if the CFP expands, the strength of schedule is going to play a major factor in that. So we want to go out and get uh, a lot of big games outside our, our natural SEC conference schedule. And as I said before, if even if you're not a Georgia fan, you ought to be able to acknowledge that Smart pushing the sport in that direction with tougher non-conference schedules, he is the guy that just objectively is the one that started this and I think it makes the sport better overall and by the way as a way of kind of wrapping up this entire discussion let me just say that you know I have two minds here obviously I'm a Georgia fan and self-serving for me to want a bigger playoff because Georgia would have been included in a bigger playoff in the past almost certainly and maybe in the future has a better chance of making because of that too but simultaneous to that I also think it's better for the sport to have a slightly bigger playoff now I'm not in favor of anything double digits necessarily 10 12 16 nor do I think that's actually the direction the sport's eventually going to go. A lot of times in sports, you see a negotiating tactic of, in the NFL, we want 18 regular season games. What they really want is 17. In the NBA, we want players to have to sit out two years out of high school before they come to the league. What they really want is just the one. Sometimes you kind of start a negotiating position somewhere in the hopes of landing that you, in the hopes that you land kind of somewhere in a slightly more sensible space. And I believe this is probably true there as well. Expansion is probably coming, but it's not double-digit teams, I believe. It's more likely to be something around the six or eight mark eight I happen to think is the perfect number and once again not just because that benefits Georgia although as a fan I'd be happy to see it do so but also because I think it benefits the sport there are more than four teams deserving of a shot at the national championship in most years and frankly I don't trust the committee to pick the four best right now given the way they've operated in the past by making it eight by possibly having more opportunities for teams to automatically qualify in there you're taking power out of the committee's hands and frankly the committee hasn't proven they deserve the power they have, so anything that moves in that direction I think is a change for the better. My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Meriwether and Tharp. Hello to you, and thanks for being with us. No matter how you get to us today, live on video, 10 a.m., Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, Radio Noon, Athens Sports Radio 960, The Ref, as a podcast, wherever you find them, including the world-famous dognation.com. We are just really happy to have you with us as we roll on here today, getting ready for the NFL draft tonight playoff expansion talk kind of at the forefront here all kinds of fun stuff going on and of course don't forget your my good friends at Meriwether and Tharp make it all possible you know Meriwether and Tharp is your source for Georgia divorce you can reach out to them at the Atlanta divorce team.com and what they're going to do for you is so important because let's face it the divorce process even the word divorce is the kind of thing that can sometimes stop you in your tracks and you either have unpleasant memories of your own divorce or fear and concern that that might be on the horizon for you and if i could like wave a magic wand and say all those feelings go away obviously i would but clearly i can't what i can do though is this is for those of you who find yourselves about to go through this and you're 
kind of deciding, yeah, you know what, that is the next step for me. I, I can build a better life in a new relationship or just exiting this relationship, then my friends at Meriwether and Tharp are going to walk with you step by step. They're going to educate you about the process. They're going to advise you about, you know, important steps. They're going to help you may be made to feel whole again. They've got free resources like blog posts and podcasts and everything else. And once you make the decision to put them to work for you, they're going to be a tireless advocate on your side there as well. So please find them online at the Atlanta Divorce Team.com. That's the Atlanta Divorce Team.com. All right. Uh, it's Terrence Edwards coming up here in just a moment. One more thing, though. Let's go around the doghouse before we get to Terrence. And I do want to spend some time once again on the Feinbaum interview with Kirby Smart as of yesterday because. The other thing that kind of comes up in this discussion is the upcoming season opener against Clemson. Now, it's obviously a big game in terms of what's going to happen for these two teams on the field and the positioning for the national championship race in the 2021 season. But as Kirby, and this is one of the things that you get when you have an alumnus of your university as the coach of your team, you get someone who has a great appreciation for the history of Georgia versus Clemson as well and the knowledge that so many Georgia fans also view this as like a massive, massive rivalry game going back to my childhood in the decade of the 1980s. And to me, it's just really refreshing to hear Smart talking about that when he speaks on the Feinbaum show yesterday, another brief clip of Kirby. You know, it's a rivalry game and you go pull your fan base, which is really the most important thing, and you look at your alumni base and you look at your financial supporters, you're saying, what do you guys want? And to a T, they want to see these kind of games. You know, the one benefit we found last year was playing the conference games only. That was so important to the fans. They love those games. And uh, to go out and get a Clemson, which, you know, most of our uh, financial supporters and our alumni base, that's a game they grew up watching. They want that game. They want that game year in and year out. And that's probably the same way for Clemson. I think Dabo would tell you the same thing. It's a great opportunity to go out and play a really good program and open your season that way. In this particular case, it's clear that Kirby just sort of gets it, right? He knows the history of Georgia. He knows why it matters now. And, uh, you know, there was another point in that same interview where, you know, he kind of made the comparison of, hey, you know, you've got a regional rivalry like Clemson, but you've also got a chance to travel nationally and go play Notre Dame, which Georgia did in 2017, and all the other big games are coming up. And I've always said there's kind of a best of both worlds component of that. There's something really cool about playing a team you've never played before. In future years, that's what Georgia's going to do. But there's also something really cool about playing a team that you do have some history with, like Clemson, or a team like Florida State, which Georgia's going to play in upcoming seasons, which you may not have a ton of history with. Those two teams haven't played a lot over the years, but they do share a lot of geographic territory. I mean, go down to like Moultrie, Albany, or Albany, as they say down there, a Thomasville. There's a lot of like battleground territory for fans of, you know, Florida State fans just north of Tallahassee, Georgia fans in that kind of southwest corner of the state. And that really matters down there, and it will matter down there. So I love the fact that as Georgia is kind of moving forward with its non-conference scheduling model, as aggressive as it is, it's making room for the big, high-profile, out-of-region games where Georgia fans get a chance to travel and you get all the prestige that comes from that. But also those short drives, Tallahassee, Clemson, and areas around there, which also kind of give you a little bit different feel of maybe potential regional rivalries just outside of your conference. I think it's all really well well, and well done by George, and I'm excited about seeing all this play out in future seasons. Before I bring on Terrence Edwards, let me also remind you of something else that I'm very excited about right now. It is ongoing at DogNation.com. We're getting ready. I guess next week we're going to be announcing the winners here, so a little bit more time for you to get involved. 
mean, our Kroger five-star moms promotion, we are honoring a lot of the mothers who check in on us here on Dog Nation Daily or for the listeners, viewers of our program who have a mom in their life they want to support, whether it be their own mother, uh, their wife, or just a mother that they know that's really knocking it out of the park. This is a great chance to do that. Your nominations, they've been so much fun to read. I, I've had a few of these shared with me, and they're just it's so great to see the, the role that family plays in just strengthening the lives of so many of the people in our listening and viewing community. I just love to see that. So dognation.com. Um, still you got time to find out details about getting in and getting involved on that you can also go to info at dognation.com that's an email address if you're ready to make your submission there big time prize pack here it includes a 50 dollars kroger gift card $50 Bath & Body Works gift card, and a $50 Home Chef gift card. So it's a great giveaway here. We want to honor some five-star moms courtesy of Kroger. We'll do that starting next week, so take some time to get involved if you have not already. All right, very good stuff. Good to have you with us. Dog Nation Daily presented by uh, Meriwether & Tharp here today. Uh, there is a lot more around the SEC I want to get to before we're done here, including a big sign that things are heading back to normal as we head through 2021. I'll share that with you coming up. But for now, on everything going on around UGA, let's talk to the great former Georgia wide receiver, Terrence Edwards. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insight. We'll say hello to Terrence Edwards here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp. Always a great pleasure to get a chance to talk some Georgia football with him and you know, Terrence, one of the hot topics around college football the last couple of days has been, and it starts on Friday with the College Football Playoff Selection Committee kind of suggesting they were considering more than just four teams in the playoff. It's been mentioned like six, eight, 10, 12, maybe as many as 16. And now there's reporting out there that suggests that this is, yeah, really pretty serious. And, you know, Kirby Smart has weighed in to say that he'd like to see an expanded playoff. Alabama coach Nick Saban has said something close to the opposite. What do you think about the playoff the way that it is as four teams, and how big do you think a perfect college football playoff would be? Well, I don't think it's ever be uh, big enough to please everyone. I think at some point someone would have a, a gripe about them not getting in, but I would definitely would love to see more than four teams get an opportunity to uh, participate in the college playoff. Um, I don't know if, you know, I've thought about, I don't know if, Every conference get an automatic bid if you win the conference and plus one at large. But I just think, uh, you know, six or eight probably should be the number. Yeah, I think that's probably right because I think, listen, you know, people can tune in and watch the show and, you know, see me as a Georgia fan, you as a former Georgia player, and maybe it comes across as self-serving. You know, in a year like 2018, you know, Georgia could have been in a playoff like that and it would have had the potential to make some noise had they got in there. Certainly the possibility they could have played better than Oklahoma and Notre Dame did that year. You could have maybe said the same thing about Texas A&M a year ago, though. It's not just a Georgia argument here that there are, in many years, deserving SEC teams that don't quite get that consideration as a second SEC team in the playoff. And in some years, you may say the same thing about the Big Ten, where you've seen in Big Ten East, for instance, multiple teams possibly deserving that when you exclude those at-large teams, in some cases, you really are maybe excluding some of the best teams in the country. Oh, I think so. I think there's a lot of teams. I just could think of back in the day when the, I can't remember what year it was, but when we played the Sugar Bowl against Hawaii, you can't tell me that wasn't one of the best and hottest teams around. Yes, we lost some games early on, but at the point that we was playing when we played the Sugar Bowl, we was hot and we clicked on our six signals. I think my 2003 team was the same way. Um, so I, I think expanding the tournament and giving some at-large bids for the teams who 
playing playing the best football and deserve to be in the tournament, even if they didn't win the conference. Um, because that 2018 team was definitely a team that could have made some noise in the playoffs. So obviously we're heading towards the NFL draft here tonight. First round begins. It's it's great television. It's it's incredible to watch. And obviously a lot of UGA fans really hoping to see good news for some of the Georgia players who are expected to have their name called. I want to run through a few of these names with you here for a moment, if you don't mind. You know, the debate about Aziz Ojolari from like people outside of Dog Nation seems to be kind of interesting here. No one denies what he did in his you know season last year. Georgia, big stats when it comes to sacking quarterbacks, tackles for loss, everything like that. He's clearly emerged as a, as a top-flight player. But I guess, Terrence, you do get some questions related to you know, is this only a 3-4 outside linebacker? You know, that means that those kind of 4-3 teams who want those hand-on-the-ground defensive ends might be looking somewhere different here. And just the overall size quotient that that, that Ojolari brings to the table, what do you think of Aziz at that next level and how the the stats that he put up at Georgia in 2020 kind of translates to the Sunday League? You just think about the Sunday League is, is a passing league. It is all about scoring points and the, the position that they put the most emphasis on is, especially defensively, is cornerback and pass rushes. And he definitely can pass rush. I mean, people really break down his game. I mean, you watch the Alabama game. He did a great job of stuffing the run at 240 pounds. Alabama had uh, three of the top four or five offensive linemen. He did a great job holding up against the run. If you could hold up against the run against Alabama for a whole game, you could do that in the NFL. But, uh, it's a passing game in the NFL right now. So, and I think, uh, that's the way the game is training. That's the way the game is going. And, uh, pass rushes are premium and he definitely could pass rush the, uh, football. I think he's going to have a great career because he can pass rush. So you mentioned cornerbacks. That's the other thing that you're seeing a little bit of buzz around right now. It certainly seems like Tyson Campbell, Eric Stokes, both had really good pro days and really made names for themselves in terms of their NFL future because of that. The mock drafts are kind of all over the place with these guys. In some cases, you see them as second-round picks. But there is a scenario, Tom Pelissero, NFL.com, has talked about this. Others have talked about this as well, where maybe one or both of Campbell and Stokes could make their way into the first round here tonight if the chips fall kind of in the right way. If there's a run on cornerbacks, I think it's been said, and that run may eventually kind of you know catch Stokes and Campbell into that mix there too. How big would it be for Georgia if one of these cornerbacks could have their name called on a Thursday night? I think it'd be it'd be huge. I think both of them best football is ahead. I'm very happy for Eric Stokes because he was the definite guy that uh, didn't get him a lot of love coming out of high school. I think a lot of fans who put a lot of stock into recruiting services and stars just thought he was a throw in, and why we wasting the scholarship on on this guy so he's worked his his tail off to, be, to become the player that he is and i'm just going to be extremely happy for a underdog to continue yeah. to uh make a dream come true and tyson campbell i mean I, I always suspected this from the guy coming out of high school it's hard to find guys of his attribute with being six one, six two, long arms and legit uh track guy that played football and i always thought he had an opportunity because of his measurables so uh, him being in the first round, if he gets in the first round, it wouldn't be a shock to me. 
So let me ask you this question for a moment. You know, you're going to make the comparison some people do. I certainly have between a program like Georgia and Alabama. Alabama is going to have, I think, at least five first-round picks tonight. There's a chance they could have six. They may have four taken in the first 15 picks. That's obviously an amazing level of draft success. It easily explains when they won the national championship. And I guess to a certain extent, Terrence, you do see Georgia lagging behind that just a bit. There's a chance for UGA to have multiple first-round picks tonight, but there's also an unfortunate scenario or maybe you know all the Georgia players fall to at least the second round on this and I'm just a big believer that if Georgia's going to play the game at the highest level the kind of year in year out national championship contender the way that a program like Alabama is they are going to have to have more top end draft success in that first round of the NFL draft do you agree with that Terrence or do you have a, a different opinion on that no, I agree I agree because you're getting the best players um and you just think about Alabama's roster, those probably were some of the better players coming out of high school. And then you'll have some that pops out of nowhere that just develop. And it's all about development. I don't care where you rank that. If you're not being developed properly, you're not going to be the player that you think you are. Yes, you have some aberrations. I think Trevor Lawrence could have went to any college and been the first pick. He's been projected first pick since he was in the sixth grade. So that's like an aberration. But it's all about development once you get to these programs. Yes, we know those five to six receivers was was good in high school, but they still had to be developed and nurtured to be the players that they are today. It just seems like it's obviously going to probably happen that for some of the Georgia players, at least one of them that hopes to get drafted here this weekend, that might not occur. And yet your own story is a reminder that doesn't have to be the end, that you as an undrafted free agent did make the Atlanta Falcons roster. Uh, remind us kind of what that was like for you to kind of, and, and you know, how you kind of put your hard work and helmet on, uh, you know, you know in, on the heels of the uh, draft uh, to get out there and press during mini camps and training camp and eventually make that team as, you know, something that some of these other Georgia players may have to do here this spring and heading to the summer there as well. What was that like for you back in 2003? Yes, I, I think for me, just a guy that was, uh, did what I did in the SEC. There's no way I thought that I would go undrafted. And fortunately, unfortunately, I went undrafted. But now your mindset changes. Your mindset, especially for undrafted free agent, I equivalent to a being a walk on at a university. Like you get the last scraps at the table, you don't get as many opportunities as a first round, second round, third round. So every opportunity that you get, you got to take advantage of. And I think one of the things that helped me. Uh, I popped early in camp. I showed that the coaches, uh, especially the DB coaches, that those guys couldn't cover me. And a lot of the, and I still say to this day, a lot of people that I still talk to, just like I don't understand why you didn't stick longer. And I'm, uh, but that's you no know, wasn't in my plans. I, I, I'm happy that way my career went in the CFL. But uh, still to this day, man, I popped early, BA, and I got a name from the DB coach because I was so long, looked like Devontae Smith. And they called me Stream Bean. And still to this day, all the all the teammates that I had that I talked to right now, like Ray Buchanan and all those guys, they still call me Stream Bean. My receiver coach, George Stewart, who's, I think, a receiver coach, one of the California teams right now when I talked to him, he still called me Stream Bean because I popped early on. You got to do something for, to get noticed. And I just think I got noticed early, and that's why I beat some of the guys out who they actually drafted that year. Well, it's a great story, and obviously it's a huge – I would imagine, you know, proud line on your resume to say that, yeah, you, you know, played in the NFL, make catches in that league, and that's a uh, that's a really 
cool thing to be able to say that you did. And I, I love the uh, backstory there of the way in which, even to this day, you know, guys like Ray Buchanan still have those memories. That's a really cool thing. Uh, Terrence, you're obviously doing great stuff out there in the community, working with that next generation of guys who also one day hope to get their name called on an NFL draft Thursday or an NFL draft weekend. For folks who want to get involved in some of that personal coaching that you're doing, how can they get in touch? Uh, you can find me at all social medias. That's Terrence Edwards Wide Receiver Academy on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Terrence, thanks so much for stopping by. I really appreciate you being here today. I appreciate your stories and your evaluations, your analysis. I look forward to getting a chance to talk to you soon. Uh, thank you, B.A. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Yeah, listen, I don't care if you played a 1,000 years or just a little while. I mean – you know, you grow up, everybody has that, like, old, you know, that plastic NFL helmet you put on when you're a kid, that look Halloween costume-style uniform. Pretty much everybody's kind of got something like that at some point in time. And to think that one day you might actually put that thing on for real, you know, it's just amazing. You know, you go from being a good high school player to obviously even getting a chance to play in the SEC kind of whittles down the competition so much. And then to go from that to the NFL, you're taking that elite SEC-level talent and you're whittling it down even more. So, as Terrence talked about there, and for the guys who get a chance to kind of do that themselves, it's a really impressive accomplishment. And just, you know, it's a human achievement, more than just as much as anything else. So it's great to be able to see and great to have Terrence Edwards talking about that with us here today. And of course, the draft success and the players that you bring to your program who are draft worthy are really the foundation for your program by the way speaking of foundation uh, and waterproofing issues let's think about our friends at engineered solutions of georgia here for a moment you know, they're proud partners of uga it makes them fun to do business with they've been good friends of ours here on dog nation daily for a long time and they're a solutions-based company so when it comes to your own foundation waterproofing issues they are going to step up and they're going to help you if it's a simple fix they'll tell you that or it's a more substantial fix you want smart people get helping you get that done they've got two full-time engineers on staff they're very easy to get in touch with so they give them a call 678-ESOG now that's 678-ESOG now and that'll get you in touch with engineered solutions of georgia so as we begin our as we begin our sec through here i have some uh, really good news so yesterday it was announced that SEC Media Days is slated to return starting, I think it's July 19th, the date, in Winfrey Hotel, Birmingham, Alabama, or actually Hoover, Alabama, just outside of Birmingham. Now, for the most part, I always kind of say this, that SEC Media Days is who it says it's for. It's for the media. The average fan, you know, unless you're actually going to the lobby to see one of the coaches show up, the average fan is not hugely invested in SEC Media Days. But this year might be just a little bit different in that, this is a sign that things are coming back normal. We didn't have an SEC media days last year because in the summertime, we couldn't be completely sure that we were actually going to have a season. But now things are obviously heading that direction. You've got SEC you know, schools saying for outdoor sporting events, they're getting back to full capacity. Mercedes-Benz Stadium is doing that now. Uh, Braves, Atlanta United kind of, you know, kind of joining the fold on a lot of that too. We're just heading to a direction where sports starts to feel a little bit more normal again. As more and more people get vaccinated and as you know, the overall health outcomes seem to be improving, we are just kind of heading in that direction. And that is a great thing to see. Now, it's not you know, confirmed, I guess, this is going to be back to full-fledged media days with a 1,000 reporters there and radio rows stretching all the way through the mall and everything else going on. But certainly you would at least think that's kind of the direction we're kind of heading right now. So let me run through the schedule of what SEC Media Days is going to be. And for a lot of these coaches, they'll be meeting the media at Media Days for the very first time here. So let's start with that first day. We'll uh, kind of look through all of this. Um, so beginning on Monday, July 19th, that's when Dan Mullen, Ed Orgeron, and Shane Beamer will be making his 
SEC Media Day's debut. Interesting to have Mullen and Orgeron there on the same day. I'm sure they can kind of get together and do a little bit of an oral history of the Marco Wilson thrown shoe. First of all, Florida and LSU are just kind of you know pretty good rivals as it is right now. So you'll have some interesting stuff back and forth there. It is the next day when Georgia's Kirby Smart is slated to appear on Tuesday, July 20th, along with Kentucky's Mark Stoops, Ole Miss's Lane Kiffin, and once again, a debut for Josh Heupel. It's actually also, given the fact there was no media days a year ago, this will be Kiffin's first media days as Ole Miss coach. Interesting that Kiffin at media days the same day as his old job, his old stomping grounds there at Tennessee. Big names showing up on Wednesday, July 21st with Nick Saban, Mississippi State coach Mike Leach for the first time at media days, Texas A&M coach Jimbo Fisher, and if you care, Clark Lee, the coach at Vanderbilt. Then you get to Thursday, the final day, Sam Pittman, Brian Harson, the Auburn coach, Eli Drinkwitz there from Missouri. Drinkwitz is one of those guys that, you know, he doesn't come across. Like, he doesn't look like he'd have the world's greatest personality. He almost seems like a CPA as an SEC coach. But actually, Drinkwitz is actually pretty funny, so I'm sure Eli will actually be dropping some lines there on his first trip to SEC Media Days. At the risk of mockery, I'm going to now move to a little bit of a Texas A&M portion of our SEC through for a moment. I get grief all the time. People say I talk too much about A&M because I believe that A&M has a chance to be a surprise team in the SEC here this upcoming season. I talked about this yesterday on SEC Media Days. So at the risk of mockery for my own audience, I want to mention a possible reason i think this is a really good article and you really should you should read the column for yourself brandon marcello 24 7 sports.com pointing out on the heels of a&m spring game on saturday for those of you who think that a&m is going to be a real threat to alabama and the sec west something to consider as a reason why this might not happen can we show the marcello tweet here um so brandon had talked about nine drop passes for the uh, Aggies in their spring game and Demond Demas the you know former big time wide receiver signee who's been kind of suspended he's still not seemingly around right now and contributing there was just the high profile uh, four-star wide receiver signee who entered the transfer portal after spring practice we talked about that on the show the other day that just generally speaking there's a little bit of a question of well, if it's Hayes King that emerges as the starting quarterback right now, it seems like he may have a slight lead over uh, Zach Calzada. Who are those receiving targets going to be? And I do think this matters because, you know, you obviously want the SEC to be as interesting as it can be, and the depth of the league is what makes it interesting. And the need for Jimbo Fisher, who's figured out a lot of things with his running game, who's figured out a lot of things with his defense, the need to kind of find out, do you have that dynamic playmaker? That's something that needs to be figured out because, let's face it, last year, A&M didn't get any real strong playoff consideration, even being a one-loss team. And in some respects, you kind of wonder if some of this was based on the fact that people just didn't really necessarily like watching them play because they weren't all that exciting. They didn't have that big, explosive threat outside in the receiver game. And maybe that made them a little bit easy to disregard for humans in the playoff selection committee were obviously influenced by what they're seeing with their own eyes. One more story, at least tangentially related to uh, Texas A&M, actually, yeah, tangentially related to Georgia, related to Texas A&M, Mike Elko, according to Matt Zenitz from AL.com, has removed his name for the Kansas head coaching search. This is one of those things, I believe, I don't know this to be sure, I'm just giving my opinion. It's one of those things that kind of happens sometimes when a guy knows he's not getting a job, he therefore removes himself from consideration. 
as a way of kind of, in some cases, saving face on this. As we've said before, it certainly seems like that the prime targets for the Kansas coaching job are sitting head coaches. In fact, at any point in time now, you could hear about a, a Jeff Munkin from Army, maybe the lead candidate, Lance Leapold from Buffalo, you know, Skip Holtz maybe in the mix on this, the guy from Eastern Michigan kind of in the mix on this there as well. It certainly seems like Kansas is fixated on, on sitting head coaches at the moment. The one thing you just don't really hear much about at all, and at this point in time, I think you can assume this is just over is that Dan Lanning is not in that kind of final group for this Kansas job either because uh, they never could really make contact with him he didn't want the job or because they just valued the experience over the up-and-coming coaching name one way or another this would seem to be another example of of Lanning going to be back at Georgia it does not seem like he is still that deep in the mix for the Kansas coaching job right now as the Jayhawks at least from several hundred miles away here appear to be mostly fixated on current sitting head coaches for that job a couple other things here real quick uh Tennessee after not getting very many you know commits for a long time has now got uh a quarterback committed for the class of 2022 David Jackson a four-star name there someone for for Josh Heupel to build around for that class this is a guy who's like top 20 like number 18 quarterback in the country according to the 24 7 sports composite so this is not like what it would have been to have gotten a sam horn or one of those type names but the kind of guy that that hypo can build around a little bit and hopefully start to establish some momentum there with that 2022 class and then finally there's this and i won't, I won't do a ton on this because i don't really even know a ton of what to say about it but there has been a lot of talk around college sports about the you know the the opening up of some name image likeness laws that will give student athletes a chance to benefit and make money off their own endorsement potential and you know there was california that kind of got this started and then shortly on the heels of that you had um you had florida kind of show up and florida was very aggressive and kind of trying to get some name image likeness laws in the books in fact what was happening in florida was pushing other states and maybe eventually even the federal government to act because florida's trying to get out in front of this obviously the state schools there in florida like you know uf and florida state were trying to use this as a recruiting advantage but there's been some action by the florida legislature as of late that makes it seem like they want to punt on this for an additional year and not implement those laws as quickly as they could there's been some criticism in state on this Mackenzie Milton who recently transferred quarterback to Florida State has been very active on social media saying that he doesn't think this is a good thing so still details to be sifted through on this but an example of a state that at one point in time led the way on trying to push for name image likeness laws now seems to want to slow down on that and so we'll obviously continue to follow that story and see where it goes as we get ready to wrap up today, of course, we'll do our Gator Hater Roll Call. And, you know, one of the things that I love to do is find out all the ways in which many of you enjoy the show. And look, the greatest privilege in the world for me is getting the chance to keep you company, whether you're driving to work or working out or whatever you're doing. The fact that you would take me along with you, so to speak, has always just made me incredibly proud. So with that in mind, our, our buddy uh, Sugar Ray here sent a great video in of him having his breakfast. He's eating some pancakes and he says an air fryer, got some sausage going there. Looks like he got some blueberries, some syrup, all kinds of stuff. And right there on his phone, he's got a Dog Nation Daily playing there as well. So uh, Sugar Ray, I got to tell you, this is a video that really made me feel certainly very proud so in honor of that you are our golden shoe winner here today hope the breakfast was good and hope dog nation daily treated you right as well how about gator hater countdown to say goodbye to you today 184 days we'll see you tomorrow dog nation daily presented by merriweather and tharp 
and on the podcast. Time now for our R.S. Andrews podcast cool down. Of course, R.S. Andrews, the R.S. stands for rapid service. They can take you and make you feel nice and cool when it comes to the um, upcoming spring and summer. They'll get your air conditioning tuned back up to factory fresh specs. They'll take really, really good care of you on all of that. Uh, by the way, we'll take your comments here on Twitter, at Dog Nation Daily. Folks dropping their lines in the comment section at dognation.com. So lots of uh, uh, really good stuff going on. Uh, you heard me give out Sugar Ray, the golden shoe, earlier for a video that he sent me of himself eating breakfast. And I guess there's a lot of talk in the uh, Twitter section here, but the fact that Sugar Ray is cooking pancakes in his air fryer. And seem, people seem to be really kind of enjoying that. Uh, Trisha Ann weighing in on that. Uh, kind of impressed by that. Our buddy, buddy Army Dog Charlie also checking in too. Lamar Lovelace. A lot of folks having some good time related to all that, and that's a really great thing to see. In our comment section there, dognation.com, also a lot of reaction yesterday to the conversation about Richard LeCount and the fact that LeCount from Daniel Jeremiah and other draft analysts. Who was the other guy from yesterday's show? Oh, uh, 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 Charles Davis, a really good analyst, NFL on Fox, NFL.com. You've seen some love for LeCount lately after you know the pre-draft process has probably been a little harsh on him. I'll read a few comments related to this right now. Jim Dogs 85 weighs in, or I should say Jim Dog 85 weighs in to say that I hope Richard will get to realize his dream to play in the NFL. He's lucky to be alive after his motorcycle accident. I don't think most people realize how close he came to a truly tragic ending to his Bulldog career. I'm sorry we didn't get to see him go out on top, but he will always be a DGD. Hopefully the Falcons will draft him. He can still see him in red and black. Lord knows the birds could use a real dog in their secondary. Uh, so I agree with almost all of that. And that is the thing. I, I do think that, you know, we kind of gloss over this and maybe just because we don't like to think about it. But, I mean, when you have a motorcycle accident like that, it could have been much more serious than it was. And this is one of those things when you have kids, and you know, my kids are still pretty young, but as they start to get a little older, I know people think about this of, you just want to wrap these young people in bubble wrap and, you know, just instill in them just, you know, how how dangerous things can be and, and how careful you hope they will, you know, be. And obviously young people have a tendency to want to, you know, uh, push the limits on certain things. And, you know, they're attracted to motorcycles and things like that. Look out here, no different. So, you know, I, I'm certainly rooting for him. I think he has a great chance in an NFL career. I hope that he gets drafted in a, a nice spot here this weekend and i hope that he can really turn what was obviously an unfortunate end to his final year at georgia into a happy outcome there at the nfl uh, daddy max says if you're a college football athlete with real potential to advance the nfl and be a high level athlete the word motorcycle shouldn't exist in your vocabulary and it should be avoided until you retire from the sport same for four-wheelers three-wheelers mopeds scooters anything else where circumstances beyond your control could quickly and easily end your dreams of playing in the nfl or could severely diminish what you would have probably made financially had you not been, quote, careless. He says, just don't do it. He says, Richard's an intelligent guy, but jumping on a motorcycle that wasn't street legal and had no lights about the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. Like Nick Saban once said, um, once you enter the draft, they're looking for reasons not to draft you. And yeah, it was not a smart thing to do. There's no question about that. And I guess when it comes to, you know, like professional contracts, things like that, I'd have no problem with a team having some sort of contract clause in there of, hey, we don't want you on you know, ATV type equipment. We don't want you on that. That's just too much of a risk. It's more of a risk than we're comfortable taking. You know, I don't I would have no problem with that. And, you know, certainly I would have no problem with an advisor to look at. It's going to be hard for Georgia to restrict that kind of stuff because you don't have the same kind of contractual relationship. But I'd have no problem with an advisor to look at saying you definitely don't need to do this. But you've got a thousand examples, though, of you know, P 
people just kind of still do stuff, right? It's like, you know, there, there are plenty of NFL players or whatever else that may have, you know, some sort of clause in their contract. But, you know, sometimes you just try to violate it. You try to get away with it. You know, and... <laughs> Like when I was a kid, like people used to love jumping off bridges. I, I think you've even seen that from some Georgia players over the year, right? Where they're like, you know, jumping into lakes and things like that. It's like, you know, young people just like to do dangerous stuff. And unfortunately, the gene that makes you want to go out there and be aggressive and violent and tough on a football field also makes you want to probably take some risk off a football field there as well. It's kind of people that would seem to be kind of cut from the same cloth on that. So I agree that LeCount would have been better had he not done this, especially given the fact that as the – commenter said and i believe this is true that it was not a street legal motorbike i i i get all that but i think that you know there have been coaches parents teachers you know for just time and memoriam who've tried to convince kids to do what's in their best interest and uh it is just not always an easy thing to do mac dog says that richard LeCount will be the steal of the draft for some team i could see someone taking a shot on him in the round round three seems like that guy that uh 10 years from now could still be in the league and i think that's true i mean listen Look, Richard, when he first started playing at Georgia, you know, had some things he wanted to work on. He wanted to increase his physicality, wanted to be a better tackler, wanted to increase his physical strength. You know, it was not a huge guy coming out of, you know, coming out of high school. And he did do that. And so, you know, I don't know where he's going to get drafted. I'm not quite sure about that. But if you want to start, as Mac Dog says, making bets and him hanging around for a while, yeah, I, I would certainly think that that has a really good chance of happening. And then Bangers responds back to Daddy Mac to say that I'm sure he has some regrets about that night. It definitely wasn't a wise decision in hindsight, but I did a lot of dumb things when I was in college and even after college when I got a wild hair. I can't blame him for wanting to cut loose a little bit, and I believe a life lived in fear is not a life well lived. This stuff happens, but thankfully he's okay and will be okay. He's going to be a great pro regardless of what round he's drafted in. I mean, I will say that to back up Bangers here for a moment. When I think back on my life sometimes when I was younger, and, like, you know, I don't know that I've ever done anything, like, you know, truly stupid, dumb. You know, I've done some things that – but when you realize even stuff that was, like, relatively benign and you think, gosh, that was more dangerous than I realized it was. You know, like, one time, like, a thousand years ago, I, I got a speeding ticket for going, like, crazy fast. And this is back in the 90s when – I mean, I wasn't wearing a seatbelt back then. I don't know how prevalent seatbelts were. It wasn't a law then, I don't think. Um, so I'm like driving down the road going like crazy fast, you know, no seat belt. And I'm not like going to like, you know, do it. I'm just going you know, just driving. I just want to see how fast I can go. Right. You, you know, you get a ticket for that. And I'm thankful it didn't turn out to be worse than it was. Like, like in some cases, like a, a speeding ticket in a situation like that, even though I was scared to death at the time, a speeding ticket is actually like the best possible outcome because it could have been something way worse than that. When you're driving, I got a 1990 Toyota Corolla thing is like shaking like a spaceship coming back into the earth's atmosphere as I'm driving down 985 in, uh, you know, Hall County, just trying to see how fast I could go in that thing. That's just a dumb thing to do. And I mean, I, I knew better than that back then, but I don't know. I don't know, if, ladies who may be listening right now, y'all have to fill me in on this. Like, is this only like a male? Are we the only ones that just do like really dumb stuff like this? Because it seems like it's when you're like 18, 19, 20 years old, it can be really hard to kind of shake that off. So I don't know. Uh, but really good comments. I appreciate you sharing them. 
on Twitter at Dog Nation Daily in our comment section at dognation.com. Thank you for being here for our R.S. Andrews podcast, Cool Down. Please make sure you check them out. They'll get your air conditioning unit turn, tuned back up to factory fresh specs. They'll also take care of you for your plumbing, your electrical needs there as well. rsandrews.com. Y'all have a great day, and I'll see you back here tomorrow for Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp. We'll look forward to talking to you then, everybody.